Hey everyone, welcome back to the Act 2.0. I'm your host, Matt Diner, and this is a show for sport coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, and fitness entrepreneurs who want to increase the impact they have on those around them. I have a great episode in store for you today. I'm going to be interviewing Anthony Renna, who is, if, you, if you're not familiar with him, he's been on the show before with Jim, uh, but he's been a personal trainer since 2004, first started working with Equinox, opened his own gym in 2008, Five Iron Fitness. He's been helping fitness professionals for years through um, just both some some what he does personally with training, but also he's the founder of both the Strength Coach podcast. So he was one of the first um, people in the industry uh, using this medium to get information out to others, uh, but also Strength Coach TV. His mission is to help strength professionals find success and make an impact in the world by sharing what he's learned from the best of the best. So that theme, best of the best. Uh, comes into play because one of the things that Anthony and I talk about is his new book, which is actually coming out on October 18th uh, with some pre-sale options on beginning on October 14th. But the book is titled Be Like the Best, A Guide to Itching the Top in the Fitness Profession. Uh, so I'm going to make sure I have info on how to find everything. It's BeLikeTheBest.com for all the information. But we're going to talk about the book, some of the inspiration behind it, as obviously he gets a chance to share insight into what makes the best the best. And then obviously draw some different things from those conversations in bite-sized nuggets for all of you that are, that are reading. So, so we talk about that process a little bit. We also talk about just how he continues to learn new information and how he notices coaches and strength professionals are learning, but then being able to take action based on those principles. Because often we we take in so much content, but don't have the ability to apply it. So I, I love the conversation. I know you'll enjoy it. So make sure you're in a spot where you can take notes. Once the interview's over, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that we get into during the interview, but just the process of being able to zoom out and zoom in, being able to take in the big picture, but then being able to apply some principles and, and act decisively and with confidence. So that's a principle I want to share just a couple thoughts on what it's like to live maybe too far on one extreme or the other, but how you can take practical steps towards being able to move back and forth in between both to be more productive and, and honestly have more impact in everything you do. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Stick around after for some of my thoughts. But here is my interview with Anthony Renna. All right, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Matt, thank you so much. I'm excited to be part of the Impact Show 2.0 podcast. Uh, congratulations on taking it over from uh, from Jim and, and partnering with Jim on this whole thing. So it's uh, it's it's a fun venture. I've been doing it now for 12 years, and and you know, you and I were talking beforehand. It's uh, you get to meet so many great people. So uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it's a bridge between even Jim to to now me running the podcast. Cause I know you've you've been a guest on on his show when he was running it, um, and now that we've kind of added the 2.0, just for us to be able to connect and my first time getting to hear from you and learn from you a little bit, but also realizing that um, you've been able to uh, speak to some of the listeners on this show in the past on some different topics. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive in and. Honestly, I know you're super busy, so I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I, I want to get right into it. Uh, you've got a book coming out. You like the best, October 18th. Um, I'm excited for you. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit just about the book, the vision, the inspiration behind it, um, and just kind of fill our listeners into what, what to expect coming up on October 18th with this book? Sure. You know, it kind of happened by accident because I think, you know, all of us, and we talked about this in the book as well, but it, you know, we have self-limiting beliefs. And so I never really thought of myself as an author. And when I was, I had my gym, it was called Five Iron Fitness. And maybe in around 2013, I saw Nick Winkleman speak and he was talking about, you know, 
you have to think about what is it that wakes you up in the morning? What is it that gets you going? What gets your juices flowing? And so for me, I really, and you know, I had heard that before, but you know, sometimes we need, there's a certain time in our life when you hear something and it just clicks and it just clicked with me. And I thought, you know, I love my fit. I love the facility. I love my brick and mortar, but I've had a good run. And I, what I really love is doing the strength coach podcast and doing strength coach TV and, and being a part of uh, strengthcoach.com and bodybibleonline.com and, and providing education for fitness professionals. And so I started to really understand that my mission, I was started to be intentional about my mission. And that was to help fitness professionals become successful and make an impact in the world. And, and so for me, I started to really think, what's the best way to do that? And when you start to understand what your mission is, it starts to answer a lot of questions. And so the fitness facility for me at the time just really was like, listen, that's not the best way to do this. The best way to do this is to expand on the podcast, expand on Strength Coach TV and, and all these other educational resources. So I started to do that. And when I sold my gym, I put a website together at continuefit.com. I called my company continue, like continuing your education. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like all websites, you need a lead magnet. And for anybody that doesn't know what a lead magnet is, it's basically what I'm going to give you in exchange for your email. And I thought, okay, let me think about this. What should I do? Okay. What do people know me for? They know me for interviews. That's what they really kind of knew me for. Uh, And so I thought, okay, I'll do some interviews, but I didn't want to do X's and O's because that's what I do on the podcast. That's what I do in other, in other things. So I said, I'm going to do some interviews on success. Like I said, I knew my mission to help fitness professionals become successful and make an impact in the world. So that answers a lot of questions. What's the, the question I'm having is, okay, what should I put up there? So now I thought, yeah, I'll do interviews on success. So I picked five people that were kind of, that were in the industry, but had different segments, Mike Boyle, Ron McKeefrey, Geraldine Cooper Smith, Don Saladino and Alan Cosgrove. And I said, okay, I'm going to interview them on success. And that will be what I give people. And I thought, oh boy, this would be great. PDF. I really should transcribe it for some people. And I thought, wow, this would be a great book. And, you know, there's an author who wrote the book, Do the Work. And um, I'm trying to think of his name right now. I can't believe I'm blanking on it because he's, I just absolutely love this guy. And I'll think of it in a second. Um, and in, in that book, he talks about the resistance. And the resistances are those voices in your head that say, you know, Matt, you're not a podcaster. You're not an author. You're not this. You're not that. You can't do this. Tim Ferriss did this already. And I thought, so I, I kind of had to overcome that resistance and said, no, this is going to be for fitness professionals this is specifically for them. We're going to talk about success. And we're going to make it actionable. And so I decided to call 45 more people and uh, say, Hey, I got a book coming out and, uh, and I on success. And, and I didn't have a, a, a publisher at the time. I just figured, okay, worst case scenario, I'll self publish it. And um, so, yeah, that's how it really started. And I got the interviews and then as I was kind of editing, the title came to me because I knew I wanted to do something different. And that different piece was, the action step. So after I did these 50 interviews on success and after each interview is uh, what I call a be like, and that is an action step or a challenge based on one takeaway from that interview. doesn't mean it's everything. There's so many takeaways in a lot of these interviews, but I wanted to take one thing that I really felt like I could help people and say, listen, do this, be like Jim, be like Ron, be like Mike. And give them that actionable step because I don't think enough books, you know, do that. And so that's how Be Like the Best came about because I said I got 50 of the best in the the world at, you know, whether it's physical therapy, personal training, strength and conditioning, chiropractors, doctors. So um, that's really how Be Like the Best came about was just through this organic process of of one thing leading to another and how long did that take was that something that you maybe didn't expect when you went from hey five interviews to now 50 um what was that process like just just putting those all together 
you know, that the, the interviews were the, the real easy part because when I set up the first five, I did it. I had a system. I kind of, I asked really the same questions and like any good interview, you want to, you want to expand on answers. So the basis was, Hey, everybody, these are the questions I'm going to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. And so really I just set up in, you know, uh, an email through, through uh, the, the canned response email through Gmail. And I emailed everybody and basically just said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing this book on success in the fitness industry. I'm going to have 50 people. I want you to be part of it. I hope you can do it. Here's my scheduler. Here are the questions. So I made it really easy for everybody. And that part was super easy. Yeah. The hard part was, and this is, this is coming up on two years, officially the, from, from, you know, A to Z, it took two years. Gotcha. And, you know, authors will tell you it takes longer than that, but this, this should have happened a year ago. To be honest with you, I struggled with certain parts of it and editing and, and that piece of it. So, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the interview part was easy. It's the editing part. And then you go back and forth with the publisher uh, for certain things. And then you have to pick all these other things and you have to set up a marketing plan. And, and that's why it's good to have a publisher because there's so many things that Louis Draper and on target publish publishers that uh, on target publications did for me that were just amazing. Yeah. And as you looked at putting this together, I know when we were talking a little bit before, uh, you mentioned that the takeaways and, and how that was a, just a huge component to the book of being able to take action steps. Not that there's only one takeaway, but being able to break it down into, into bite size and, and here's what you can take from this right away, I think is important. And, and, and I love that you, you brought that style to it. Um, were there some consistent themes i know everybody brings something to the table in all 50 interviews are there a couple key things that that you felt like were consistent and then two how how did you keep it cohesive you know as a book knowing that hey there's 50 interviews but it's got to be part of one collection um how was that process and how did that challenge you a little bit yeah i think you know i did a lecture for perform better and i'll probably be doing that next year supporting the book or, you know, as much as I can. And it was the seven things that I learned from, from doing the book from the best of the best. And I think number one, you know, success is really hard to define and it's really personal and it evolves. That's number one. So, and and why I think it's important for you to understand that is because sometimes we, we get angry, not angry with ourselves, we beat ourselves up over not over, over change or changing our mind or now it's different. And no, it's going to evolve. It's okay. And don't be embarrassed. You should keep moving forward. Uh, so that, that was, that was the first thing. Number two, they, a lot of them had, even if they didn't specifically write it down, they had a plan, they had a direction. They really had a mission. They really understood that mission. And I can tell you that's probably one of the most important things. Like once you really understand your mission, again, I'll say it again, it answers a lot of questions for you on a daily basis. Um, they had some kind of a goal-setting process. Maybe it wasn't so formal, but they all had these goals, whether it, it was they wrote it down or they have it on their, their chalkboard or, or their, their whiteboard or – Um, Some of them had a formal process, but they they all had goals that they really understood a clear direction. And part of that was because of their mission statement. Uh, They understand the impact that they have. And that's a really important, that's why your show is so important, is because we have to understand, sometimes we get caught up in the day-to-day and we forget the impact that we're making. And it's so important that you realize the impact that you're making and the ripple effect that you have on somebody's family and whether that could be in California. And, and it's a really important piece to our job. I always, I like in my lecture, I brought up about John Kennedy went to the NASA space center in in the early sixties and he was on a, going on a tour and he went up to the janitor and he introduced himself and he said, Hey, how are you? My name's John Kennedy what's your role here? He said, sir, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. And the takeaway from that is no matter how small your role may be, 
It's about mindset. He understands he's part of a bigger picture. And I think in fitness, sometimes we get embarrassed of the word personal trainer, the words personal trainer, because of some of the images in the media or some of the, you know, the biggest loser TV show or where they're just yelling or we're just a bunch of idiots who are trying to take our shirts off. So I, that's not how we are. We're, we're making an impact. I think it's really important. Uh, I think another takeaway was, look, bottom line is get ready to work because uh, the best of the best work their butts off and they take action all the time. Um, and so uh, those are some of the big things that I really, I really learned. But from, if, I, if you had to say one thing that was really, what would I suggest? It's you have to be intentional about this stuff. And that's why I think this book is, is I'm really proud of this book is because it can help you. There's a lot of starters. The B likes are starters for you. They're not the be all end all. They're just starters to get you going, to be intentional, to start exploring about who you are, where you want to go, what you should do, what other people are doing. So that's really like, you have to be intentional. You have to sit down and think about your mission. You have to think about your goals. You have to write them down. It helps to write them down. There's, there's some science and some research on the fact that writing them down does help. Yeah. And, and I love how you, uh, because you know the impact of those in the fitness industry and coaches and sport coaches, um, that your mission to, to educate and to teach, it, it comes through in that of saying, hey, I'm going to give you um, these takeaways give you action steps, but then, Hey, let you keep learning, keep, you know, finding ways to implement this. Um, so I love that you bring your mission, everything. And it just rings home of, of why you've been successful of, of taking that on of, you have to have a mission behind everything you do. And then that clears up and gives you intention to everything that you do from that point forward. Um, when you talked about get ready to work and how the best are prepared for that action and they're not complacent. Uh, you mentioned kind of giving them the first step towards it. What are some things that you do to avoid being complacent and to make sure that you are constantly taking action? Because even as you started talking about the need for the book and where you've gone from podcast to other areas to go along with your mission, it, it seems like you are very intentional about making sure you don't just get caught up in saying, Hey, I've done this for the last five years and it works. I'm just going to keep doing it you're able to somehow keep looking at the next thing and where that vision takes you. What does that process look like for you and how have you been able to constantly take action and avoid being complacent? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking and you had sent me over some ideas about this as well and kind of, you know, asking about the direction that maybe, you know, trying to stay ahead all the time and trying to find out the direction that the industry is going. And I think it's the same answer. You really, you have to be open. You have to, like, that's the educational piece is so important. You have to keep learning from the training side. You have to keep learning from the personal development side. You have to try to go out of your comfort zone with other courses. David Epstein has a book out right now called Range that talks about being a generalist and how important that is for you developing into uh, the best that you can be, uh, being more well-rounded as well. And so you have to be open. You have to look, for example, I'll give you an example with the podcast. It's a perfect example. So the podcast started this way. Mike Boyle had a site called michaelboyle.biz and it was just a forum. Okay. And this is about 2005, 2006. And so in 2007, he had the opportunity to take over a site called sportspecific.com and sportspecific.com was run by a guy who was kind of more of on the internet marketing side. And a lot of people resented him because they didn't really feel like he was a coach and they weren't happy with some of the practices that he had maybe involved himself in. And so when everybody on this free forum and this forum was awesome, it had all the best names in strength and conditioning guys that weren't, weren't anybody yet, but became huge too. Charlie Weingroff and Patrick Ward and Dave Tanney, 
all who were in the book, by the way. Uh, I think Jim was on that. I, you know, Jim Kilbasso. So, so many great names. And so when Coach Boyle announced that he was merging, he was going to become partners on sportspecific.com and call it strengthcoach.com, everybody was mad. So in the originally, Coach Boyle was supposed to just give, he was going to give everybody who was a member of michaelboyle.biz three months free. He had to give them six months free because everybody was so angry and writing on the forum. They were, oh, how could you do this? You're selling out, blah, blah, blah. I didn't look at it like that. I, I looked at it. It was an old mindset. It was all me being open to opportunity. And I said, holy cow, this is good. I know. You know what? I emailed Coach Boyle. I said, Coach, I got a great idea for you. And I can help you market and get promote your site, your new site, strengthcoach.com. There's something called a podcast. I know you don't know what it is, but it's kind of like a radio show for the internet. And we just, all you have to do is get on the phone. Every couple of weeks, we'll talk about the forum posts. We'll talk about your articles that you're posting, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll promote the site and we'll get a strength coach on it. And um, I've already talked to Perform Better and they're willing to sponsor it. So I'm going to make a little bit of dough. Mike doesn't have to pay for it. Perform Better is happy because they're going to be part of what Mike Boyle's doing and they're going to get their name out there. And they've, they've sponsored me from day one. We're going on 12 years on October 25th. And so I saw that opportunity. I was open to it. I wasn't just sitting there crying about paying $10 a month. And I just, I thought my mind was open to something new, to helping, to, you know, hey, how can I help Mike? How can I help myself, right? How can I help perform better? I wanted to get, how can I help people out there? get the word out. It wasn't about me. It was like, I was going to help Mike. I wasn't talking about my philosophies. I was talking about what's on the site. And then I was going to get a strength coach on. We're going to talk about all the what's happening in strength and conditioning. So to me, that's how you do it. You, you, you have your mind open for change, for opportunities, for looking for things, for, for also being part of the demographic. I was part of that demographic. So I felt like I knew what's needed. That's a really important piece because just because you know how to cook doesn't mean you should open a restaurant. Just because you should train, you can train doesn't mean you should open a gym. There's a lot of other things. Well, I knew what there was a need for what I want. I wanted to do for Mike and, um, and I, and I took advantage of it. That's great. And, and congratulations, man. 12 years of, of, podcasting and, and, and sponsors getting behind you. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. And, you know, you mentioned multiple times as you were talking with, with that podcast and, and helping Mike Boyle, like, how, how can I help you? How can I help you? I feel like that's been a theme that the more that I've kind of learned about you and been listening to some of your, your other podcast interviews and those types of things where you're in the business of, of helping others, not necessarily saying, Hey, I'm going to, put out all of my own content or it's all about me being the expert in the room. You've really built a, a business around helping others and, and elevating others. Um, so how did that all come about? And maybe, maybe that was all part of the story you just told, but um, I, I feel like even in the time since then, you, you've kind of built that into a, a business brand. So if you could just talk a little bit about, um, how serving and lifting up others has really elevated your personal career. Well, you know, I, I think it, when I look back at, um, when I look back at um, my life, I thought about being a teacher in, in college and because I, I really enjoyed it. I love teaching people when I was playing hockey, even as a teenager, I wanted a coach. I, I like teaching people. And, um, and so when I be, was in the bar business, I was in the bar business for 18 years before I ever got into the fitness business. So I didn't get into the fitness business till I was 50, till I was 36, 37. And so for me, when I was in the bar business, they would send the, the, uh, the new managers over to my place and they would have to trail me. And some of the other managers would be like, ah, man, that sucks. They're coming. Everybody's coming over to you. I'm like, I love it. I love when these guys are, I love teaching people what I'm doing. And so it's just something that for me that I always, you know, made me feel good, made me understand. I, I also, I, 
I love learning. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always trying to read. I'm always trying to get information. So I think it just, it, it worked for me. It was like part of like what I like to do and what I, uh, not only as a learner, but as I wanted to teach people. So moving into this, I think it, it was a good fit, but also, and you know, I guess we could say it wasn't a, a, was it me realizing who I was or was it a self-limiting belief? Because at the time I really did also say, you have to know who you are. Here I am 37 and, you know, I have Greg Cook who's about my age at the time, you know, he's 38 or 39 and there's Mike Boyle who's a couple years older than me. Uh, he's at the time he's 44 or 45. And, and I'm thinking these guys have been doing this for 20 years already. I'm just starting. I'm never going to catch up to them. And so I kind of realized where I could fit in here. I still had strengths and I wanted to play to those strengths. Meanwhile, uh, while still doing something that I absolutely loved and understanding my role as that type of person, you know, that my, I, I knew getting into fitness, maybe, maybe being the guy who doesn't have a degree, I have a marketing degree, doesn't have a degree in exercise science and, or, you know, masters in exercise physiology, um, that I might, it might take a little longer to catch up to them, you know, but so what can I do to be part of the process and providing that education? I always say like, I'm like a college. I'm just the building, the, the guys inside the Mike, Mike Boyle and the Greg Cooks and the Mark Stegans and the Jim Kilbasos and the Rama Kifris, they're the professors inside. So I have the building and they're the ones teaching. So I always kind of thought of it like that. <laughs> no, that's a good concept. Um, and, and when you look at, your mission to, to teach and you've always you mentioned wanted to be a teacher and uh, enjoying teaching people in the in the restaurant industry um, as you look at what you do now how much do you find that as you teach you also need to be learning you mentioned being a lifelong learner um, what does that look like for you in terms of how do I take it from how much time I dedicate to making sure that you personally are learning but then also being able to break things down and teach. Um, have you noticed that over time you've spent more time in, in one way or the other, or, or just, I, I guess, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, actually, when I got out of, when I sold the gym in December of 2016, I started coaching with Michael Hyatt, who the, he, Michael Hyatt's a gentleman who wrote the best year ever, uh, five days to your best year ever, free to fo uh, free to focus, uh, a couple other books. He was a, a a CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, and I so I started doing coaching with him. Nothing to do with fitness, right? Um, that was a deep, intensive goal setting uh, program and a productivity program uh, because I knew I knew my fitness stuff for the most part, the stuff that I had to know. I'm always working on self-improvement stuff. So I'm always listening to a book or reading a book. That's always happening. Always trying to take advantage of what other people are reading too, like the recommendations of people in our industry, because I want to bring that other information. I want to bring the trend setting guys who are the guys who read things first. They're liking it. I got to bring it out to the rest of the world. Um, so I, I have to keep up on that all the time. I took some coaching with Craig Valentine, who's also in the book. Um, I took coaching with the Cosgroves who are in the book. I did business coaching with them. So it's, for me, it's, I feel like it's almost like being a trainer. You don't want to just be an online trainer. You still have to have your, 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 get your feet wet. You still have to train some people because uh, you're constantly learning about coaching. You're constantly learning about if new stuff comes out. Like for example, when crawling got really big, I was working with older folks they crawling wasn't good for them because they had bad wrists. They, most of them couldn't do it. So we had to do, they couldn't do bear crawls. They had to do baby crawls maybe, or they had to just do opposite arm and leg on their hands and knees. So there's these things that you, you could talk all day like, Oh, crawling's great for you, but you have to know who you're talking about. It, it's not great for everybody. So that's why to me, it's always important to be part of it. And that's why I wanted to keep taking the coaching. Uh, I felt like I would be a hypocrite if, if I felt like saying, hey, Matt, you really should get a coach. 
uh, for not just fitness, but for your business. Maybe you should get a podcast coach. Maybe you should get whatever, you know, at the time. And, you know, for me not to have one, that would be a little hypocritical. So I, I feel like it's important, not only from my perspective of learning, but going, you know, get taking it to a higher place, but also from, you know, being, keeping your feet wet, keeping, you know, and not being, not being hypocrite. Yeah. And, and you as you kind of been talking, staying ahead of trends and knowing how people are learning is important. Um, so, so you've, you know, this is your first, first time authoring a book. You've had the podcast, you've had different websites. What are you starting to notice about how people learn um, as you look at, you know, how do I stay ahead on, on my mission? And your mission is to, is to help others learn. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing right now um, and, and how has that a change? How has that changed your business model, or maybe philosophy on on how you do some things? Yeah, I think I think it's more of a quick hit now. You know, uh, for example, when I I started a site in two thousand nine called Strength and Conditioning Webinars. It's right when GoToWebinar came out, and um, it was a good price point at the time. It was still, wasn't too new. It was, you know, people have been using it in business, but now they were making it available to the masses. And I thought this would be great. I could, I got so many connections through the podcast. I can get guys on to pay them to do a presentation, uh, an hour long presentation. And, you know, it'd be a membership site. So we'll do two or three or four a month and people will pay a certain amount a month and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's funny because now an hour webinar, no way. You know, yeah. it would have to be three 20-minute webinars or or two 30-minute webinars. And so it might be a stupid example, but it's just this is people don't have the time. So we're trying to look at things like making things clearer. There's a great book by Alan Alda called If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? And I keep recommending it to so many coaches because – what basically what they're trying to, what he's trying to do originally was teach scientists and doctors how to communicate better through improv and why he wanted to do that was because we, they just had this language that none of us understood and he felt, and he's a big, he loves science. So now he has like the clear and vivid podcast. So it's really, to me, it's more about really honing in on, getting that message across in, in a better way, in a, in a more cohesive way, in a, in a way that people can understand it. It really has to be a little bit quicker. Um, by the way, I wouldn't say that. Like people ask me about the podcast sometimes, like how long should my podcast be? The podcast should be as uh, one second longer than the amount of good information that you have. Because if you're starting to do too much crap, then everybody, you know, they can turn it off. But Joe Rogan has a two to three hour podcast. And it's the number one podcast. So for somebody to tell me, well, the average commute is 20 minutes and you should only have a 20 minute podcast. That's great. I actually did stop and give me 20 podcasts where I only do 20 minutes, but that doesn't always work. It doesn't mean anything. It's me. Do people like the content? Uh, so that's just, that's, I wouldn't say it's an exception to the rule, but I think we need to come up with quicker ways for people to learn. They have so many images and so many ads coming at them now in so many ways. You have to stand out uh, in order to do this. And, um, and I think going back to what I was saying originally, if you're intentional about it, uh, you'll have an easier time with it. Well, I think just with learning in general, um, you have to be very intentional to dedicate time, you know, and sometimes being in some deep learning or deep thought it doesn't happen by accident because like you said, there's so many images out there. There's so much content um, to where as a producer of content, yeah, you need to make sure it's, it's actionable, make sure it's in, um, in smaller increments so that they can, uh, you know, latch onto a little bit quicker. But man, if you, if you really want to learn, you're going to be intentional and you're going to, you're going to want to do more. And I, I guess that's really where it comes to is, um, you, you need to, to make time for it. And I think and that's you have to part understand. of the learning process. Yeah, you're right. And you have to understand your demographic because, yeah. and that's part of the learning process, right? What, what are my people? What do I want to learn? 
so I understand what the the average person who's going to listen to my show is thinking. So I know what they're thinking because that's what I'm thinking. I'm the one asking the stupid questions that they're afraid to ask. So you have to be part of that. And that's what I was talking about before about staying in training because then I really start to be, to understand what my people are going through. Yeah. Um, and I think just, just to kind of go along with this whole concept of, of learning, but also to kind of go back to the, the book, be like the best. And, and really your goal in it is so that people can take these interviews, take some of these successful people in the industry learn from them, but be able to, to have action steps when you're working with people, whether it be one-on-one or, or through some of your speaking and, and different things, um, where, where do you see some of the biggest obstacles or the biggest um, just stopping points where, where people struggle? Is it that they're just trying, trying to do too much all the time and, and never really dive deep into areas or, or is it something where, they're spending the time learning. There's so much content out there, but never taking action. Um, and, and how does that play into why you wrote the book the way you did um, or, or how you produce content, um, knowing that at the end of the day, at some point you need to take action? Yeah, I think, I think part of it, not to sound like a broken record, but the, part of the reason why people might not take action is because they don't know where they're going yeah. so i feel like that's that was me right even in the bar business i was kind of drifting and then i found fitness and and i was still kind of drifting like i thought oh, i want to open my own place but i really i i was still drifting i didn't have that mission so not being intentional about it like once you're intentional once you know these things once you have your map all those questions get get answered and so it's much easier to take action. And for example, so if, if, you, if you said, hey, Ant, I have a, 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 a guy uh, I, I can introduce you to. He's got a podcast on success. Would you like to be on it? I'm not sure if I would. I'd have to dig a little deeper because who I'm speaking to right now is fitness professionals. Yeah. Now, do I want to expand that at some point? Yes, I do. But right now, I'm speaking to fitness professionals. So going on that podcast might not be a good idea for me, okay? It might be a waste of a couple of hours, uh, all, all told. And that could be better spent towards something else. So I think that's what holds us back is, like you said, we end up with too many things. The reason why you end up with too many things is because you don't know what to say no to, <laughs> And, you know, remember for every yes that you say to one thing, you're saying no to another. So when you're saying too many yeses, usually it's along the same lines and the no's are to your family, to your free time, to your own personal development. And then you're just, you're, you're all over the map and you're doing all these things that you you won't take the true action that's going to lead you in the right direction. So I think that's really for me what I've seen is like people drifting and the reason the way it's funny because you asked like how do you keep it cohesive with this book I really didn't keep it cohesive except for asking relatively the same questions to everybody Mm -hmm. um because this book can be read in a bunch of different ways it could be somebody who says I I love Dan John I'm going to go to the Dan John interview and the Mike Boyle interview or it could be somebody says no I'm going to read it from front to back or you could we have an index of be likes you could say you know what? I really need to work on relationships. I'm going to go to these be likes. Uh, I'm going to read these interviews and, and, and do these be likes. So there's, there's a few ways. So it wasn't really, you know, I wouldn't say it was so cohesive except for the fact that they all have a be like, and they all, they're all interviews on success, but going back to, you know, what you talked about asked before about the education, these are little snippets, like almost like a bathroom book, right? Like you can, yeah. you know, it's that you could read that success interview this morning. And, and so you could read it little, little by little, you could pick things that you want to read. You could read a cover to cover. It doesn't matter, but it's, I think it gives people the opportunity, the options to, okay, 
I just want to read, read it this way. I want to read it that way. I'm better this way. I'm going to take a few of the uh, action steps and I'm going to go a little deeper um, and spend more time on that. So I think, you know, all of those things, that's the number one thing I haven't seen was, you know, people are drifting and they won't take action. What I wanted to do was provide them with a little bit, again, I'll go with the word starters. These, these be likes are just starters to help you. Cause that, you know, sometimes when we look at something, it's almost like a big to-do list. Yeah. We look at this big, big to-do list and we're like, Oh, forget it. I'm going to go, go for a walk right now. Uh, and so we don't do anything, but with this, these are just little things that can get you started, give you some momentum to go deeper. It's not, oh, get this book and your whole life is going to change. But I, I think if you did five or only five or six be likes and you really did them, your life would start to change and you'd start to move. You'd get that momentum towards, uh, towards where you want to be as long as you know where that is. Hmm. No, that's great. And I think that's really, when I look at this, this podcast and this show, uh, and I appreciate all the insight you're given, I want to make sure that uh, people understand how they can have impact in whatever, whatever field they're in, whether it's strength, conditioning, general fitness, you know, sport coaching, um, wherever they're at. And I think everything you're saying as far as making sure you know know your why. I mean, that's something that's a topic that's come up quite a bit uh, on this show. As far as if you're going to have any type of impact, you know what direction you're going. Uh, But one thing that I've been, been wrestling with a little bit. And I think one of the, one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to you is I I, would love to kind of get some more insight into you, you know, the, the be like Anthony on what are some things that have helped separate you. Um, I, I was reading through, uh, the book Training Camp by John Gordon with uh, with a group of athletes. We were talking about how the best have the ability to zoom focus. And and yet when you look at a lens, there's a, there's a time where you need to have that zoom focus and just go to work. And there's a time when you need to zoom out because if you're zoomed in all the time, all of a sudden there, there's going to be obstacles that you can't get over because you don't see the big picture. So, we're kind of in that, in that constant balance of, I need to know when to zoom out and see the big picture and see what direction I'm going, um, see all the different elements to it. And then there's a time where I need to zoom in and go to work. Um, where, where do you feel like you are, uh, or, or where, where do you struggle with that? Do you tend to be more in the zoomed out? Do you tend to be maybe too zoomed in and, and need to be intentional about taking time to see the big picture more often? What, what has that been through your career? And maybe um, we, we can, you know, end with this question on what, what's some advice to people reading the book um, that see this and, and see all these, you know, stories and things they want to start implementing, but just don't know where to go. Um, can, can you elaborate on just that whole idea of zooming in and zooming out and, and how we need to find that balance? Yeah, I think, again, it starts with where do you want to go? And, we have we have some Nick Winkleman uh, when I interviewed him, the book Deep Work by Cal Newport was was a huge influence on him. And in, in Deep Work, Cal Newport talks about making your schedule out. Okay, so writing out your schedule for the day or for that ideal week. So for example, whatever your schedule looks like, let's say you 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 can get up at five o'clock in the morning and then you know take a shower, get to work by five thirty, let's say. Um, using a certain amount of blocking these, you know, these time blocks. So saying, I'm going to take from 530 to 7 and just do deep work. I'm going to do work. Uh, the phone's in the other room. I'm shutting the door. I'm in this environment where I'm just going to, let's say you're a writer. I'm, gonna, I'm doing a thousand words today on this, right? But then, you know, you can't spend too much time on that, right? Uh, you really... You really can't, you can't do eight hours of work. Otherwise you do go nuts. Yeah. So for me, it was more like, if you look at, we talk about that's Nick's be like is based off of the Cal Newport stuff and blocking out your time. And there's a lot of the be likes are very, uh, they're, they're interwoven. So I'll yeah. say, Hey, go to Jim's be like for this and go to Bob's be like for that. You know, they're, they're, they're all part of each other, but with this, it's like, okay, where's your morning routine sit? And then, so being intentional about that scheduling 
as well. That's, that's where I struggle because I'll come in and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to be moving all the time. So for me to sit down, so like that hour and a half, that's when I want to focus. But then I'm, I was scheduling, for example, especially with the podcast. uh, And I would use, I have a cat, the Calendly app, as you know, (laughs) and that syncs with my Google calendar. So on my Google calendar, I had from 11 to 1230 as nap, walk and lunch so that hour and a half from 11 to 12 30 nobody would ever be able to schedule a podcast right whereas in the past i just had to it was like the wild west sometimes it was monday sometimes it was friday it was four o'clock and one other times it was 8 a.m no calendly let me to start you know and this idea about blocking out times allowed me to start taking control of my schedule so when you talk about like focus and you know you know that good balance you have to schedule these things so hey i'm gonna work and the book rest i forget the author's name uh talks about this is that most of the greatest writers and and uh creative thinkers in the world only worked for about four hours a day now that doesn't mean they worked from six to ten and went home it means exactly what i'm saying they might have done you know, an hour and a half, two hours, then they went for a walk. Almost every one of the creative minds in the world went, uh, they call it knowledge thinkers, go for walks. I mean, even Google and, uh, and, and like Facebook have walking meetings on their campuses, et cetera. Um, so there's this idea of work and rest interplay all day with each other. So, um, and then, you know, we have social media, we have email. So I would take like from seven to eight, to kind of do those things and then I would do something else maybe go for a walk or go for breakfast at eight o'clock and then nine o'clock I would do some more deep work because I was ready to kind of I was ready to go back my brain was you know that part of my brain had some rest for for two hours and then I could do some more of it and then in the afternoon I would schedule my podcast so I think really the struggle for me was always when I don't have that schedule when I'm not doing my Workday shutdown and setting the next day up, setting my schedule up, writing everything down in my planner and, and knowing what I have tomorrow, knowing what my big three are going to be. If I don't do that, I'm all over the map. And I think that I've, I've also seen that a lot as well uh, with, with people that they're just, they're just kind of, kind of come in and it's the wild west and they're kind of trying to click off all these things on their to-do list and, and it just doesn't work like that. And so there's things like even in the book that we talk about having not only a workday shutdown, like specifically like saying, okay, look, at five o'clock, I'm not going to do any work anymore um, because, I'm, but I'm going to set the next day up so I can go home and be present with my family. Uh, there's the evening shutdown or the, the, hard, the hard shutdown from Janet Alexander where after eight o'clock, she's not answering any emails, any texts, any phone calls. It's her and her husband. That's it done. You're not even, not even, you cannot get in touch with her uh, until the next day, six o'clock AM. Boom. She answers everything. And it's great. Um, and she gets a lot done. And so there's all these things that kind of go with each other, but I think that that's a really important piece. And that's something that I've struggled with is, is staying on schedule. The more I do it, the more productive I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I think especially in this industry of, it feels like, hey, we've always got to be moving, doing something. Um, and I think when a lot of people see time blocking, they see, I, I need to schedule every 15 minutes of my entire day, know what I'm doing. But it's really, like you said, it, it's scheduling out the time for that deep work uh, or the, the recharge. The rest of the stuff, I mean, because you're wired that way, you're going to get the work done. But because you took the time to rest, because you took the time to focus on strategy and big picture thinking, when you actually go to work, you get more done in, yeah. in, in even less time. So I think you know, that, that's an awesome takeaway. And, I, and I'm sure like multiple um, people in the, in the interviews in your book get a chance to, to share what works for them. Um, but I think that's a huge takeaway for me because I, I'm built the same way that, that I know if, if I don't block away time, there's always enough to do. There's always yeah. something that, that needs to be done. Uh, but I, I really feel like from, from reading about you and now getting to talk with you and learn from you, um, everything you do goes along with your mission and vision. And I feel like that's something that 
uh, not enough people can say that they've been consistent for a long period of time being able to stay consistent. Um, and, and I've got to imagine that that's one of the reasons um, has been, even though you're like, hey, I struggle with it. You're intentional about making sure you do it right, though, because if not, you may not be in a position where you're releasing a book in a couple of weeks. Um, you well, you no, may that, still be looking at old opportunities, you know. You're right. You're right. And, you know, the thing is, too, Matt, is that you know this. We beat ourselves up when we think I have, like you said, with the 15 minutes. And then if we don't stay on that 15 minutes and even Cal Newport, like in his book shows you some pictures on his blog. If you go to like, he has a website and everything's done in pencil and things are crossed out, you know, things are going to come up. It's okay. But in general, it's kind of 80, 20. If you can stay on track for 80% of that. And, and one of the things that I learned from Michael Hyatt was that he learned from his coach, Dan Sullivan was this idea about the gap in the game. And so if you have, for example, uh, a, let's just use weight loss. I want to lose 10 pounds in the next three months. And you get to, you know, two months and, and, and three weeks and you've lost eight pounds. What do you say? So many people say, I didn't hit my goal. I didn't get the 10 pounds. Meanwhile, they got 80% of that goal. What do we focus on? We focus on the gap that between the eight and the 10, we're so, I, I didn't do it. No, yes, you did. You lost eight pounds. You did an amazing job. You changed your life. But we focus on that gap. And that's the same thing with the scheduling is people are, are thinking, oh, you know, I, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. You know what? If you just did your wake up stuff, if you got up early in the morning, did a nice little morning routine, got your stuff going, did some deep work. Even if you only did that deep work for an hour and a half, you get stuff done, believe me. And, uh, and if you focus, if you started to narrow your focus on, instead of saying, I'm, I'm going to, what are your big three? Not 10 things tomorrow. What are your big three? Because if you did three things, right, five days a week, because I'm going to give you the weekends off, right? That's 15 things a week, okay? Now, if you did, if I said, you know, Matt, I'm going to also, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one month off. So instead of 52 weeks, I'm going to say 48 weeks, okay? So I'm giving you weekends off in a full month. If you did three things every day, five days a week for 48 weeks, you get 720 things done. And obviously, those are big things that are towards your goals, as long as you're intentional about it. So the, that, that, those numbers are amazing, and you'll get so much more done when you think of it like that instead of worrying about, I didn't get those other things done. No, you got your three biggest things done. Today was a great day. Go ride your bike. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate you giving me a month off. It's great. Um, you know, you deserve so nice. it. So nice of you. Well, Hey, I mean, this has been awesome. And, and I love the fact that, and you, and you mentioned it with some of the things that you've learned, you know, having a mission, get to work. Uh, I feel like you exemplify those. One of the other things I just want to encourage you on and just congratulate you for is like, you mentioned understanding impact and the ripple effect. Um, I, I feel like, this book be like the best is going to have an impact because you're taking some of the best information from 50 people that otherwise may, some of us may never get to, to, to hear about all those authors or read all the podcasts. So, so putting it all in one place and then be, being able to extract the main points and provide action steps. Um, I'm just excited for the impact that this book's going to have and, and be able to, um, you know, hopefully get somebody through, maybe they're stuck on one aspect um, or don't have a process in place or don't feel like they have really a a good understanding of what their mission or vision is. Um, Like you said, it may be gravitating towards a topic or towards one of the interviews with someone that they idolize and those things, but something about this book is going to speak to someone in a very actionable way that's going to help them change the trajectory of their life or their business uh, or both. Uh, so thank you for this. Is there anything else before we, we end our time together as far as where to find, I mean, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, obviously, but where, what are some ways that, that we can 
get involved as far as uh, launch team, pre-launch stuff with the book? Can you just provide a little bit of that information and then I'll make sure I include the links as well. Yeah, uh, we are doing uh, the pre-launch starting Monday, October 14th. Uh, the book is released on the 18th. And so basically uh, you'll have that week, hopefully to, to purchase the book. We're going to give a little incentive. I did a be like workbook. That's going to be, we're going to share with people and you'll get the PDF version. We're actually going to sell that as a, a side on, on Amazon, but you'll get, you'll get it free as a PDF. So you can you just print out some of, you know, we kind of left, I added a little bit to the be likes and did some room for notes. So you don't have to write in the book and you can just write on these notes and, and write it out. So we give you some prompts there on that. And then uh, everyone who orders will get a Kindle version right away uh, or a PDF version, whatever they prefer. And then some access to some of the audio interviews, the original audio interviews that I did with, uh, with everybody with probably like five or six of them, uh, extra ones. So just to kind of keep you, uh, in the loop until you get that book, you'll have plenty to, uh, to, to dive into. So that's a, all at be like the best.com. Um, and it's going to be, like I said, on October 18th, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at, at Aunt Rena. You'll have that on, on your website as well. So yeah, it, it'll, uh, all of those things, uh, October 14th to October 18th, book launches October 18th and we got some good bonuses for you. So, uh, get in there. Yeah. And just, just another thing along with that, I, I really appreciate how you're, you're always looking to serve others and make things easier on other people saying, Hey, I'm going to provide notes. I'm going to provide this. Um, just as a lesson for anyone out there that's looking to produce content uh, or, or just have an impact in the field, being able to say, instead of, Hey, this is what's easiest for me, what I can do um, that, that you make a point to say, how can I make things easier on other people or, um, more applicable or, you know, less obstacles and those things. So, so thanks for, for doing that on the website. I'll make sure that all the links are there, but just thank you, Anthony. This has been a great conversation. I know everybody's going to find some practical steps from it. And I've definitely learned a lot that I've been taking notes as well. So there, there's definitely some things I'm going to take and, and say, well, how do I improve not only the podcast, but in, in my business, everything I'm doing, uh, you sharpened me. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Matt, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for all your contributions now with uh, Impact Show 2.0 and, and uh, everything that you're doing. You're making an impact, big impact as well. So uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. I'll talk to you soon. I'm excited to read the book. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Anthony Renna and learned a lot from what he had to say. Also, make sure you check out the show notes. I am going to include information uh, not only on how to find the book, but information about the pre-launch. I'm excited to check it out. Uh, I hope that all of you will get a chance to read it as well because, again, 50 interviews, specific action items, main takeaways. You're going to learn a lot from it. Um, and I know that, just like I mentioned to Anthony, there's going to be something that resonates with me that I take away, even if it's a simple principle, but just how it's applied by a specific professional in the industry that's had success. Even if it's something I've heard before, just hearing how they implement um, what that means to them. I always learn from these types of books. Uh, as you'll remember, back when I talked to Ron McKeefrey with his book, Weight Room Wisdom, very similar strategy. And uh, I, I found that book very impactful on just how to start conversations and ask questions. And um, I know this book will have the same impact. Uh, one of the things I mentioned at the beginning of the show is that I would talk about this principle of zooming in and zooming out. And we referenced it a little bit. Uh, but this is a, a topic that I've really been kind of struggling with personally a lot over the last few weeks, uh, but just kind of diving into a little bit because it, there's pros and cons of each. We need to have the ability constantly to to zoom out and see the big picture, but also zoom in and just create action and get things done. And I think there, there's issues with living too much in both worlds. So for example, uh, zooming in too much and being all about action can, can lead to um, just being so in the details that you're stressed out, you're, you're being reactionary and jumping at every single opportunity that looks shiny and not really thinking about, 
well, how does this affect the big picture and the mission and vision of what I'm doing? Um, it's also easy to get selfish and just think about yourself. And so I think, uh, although zooming in does have the give you the ability to, um, you know, actually make changes or uh, implement a strategy or move to the next step. So you need to live in that world, but just not all the time. And I, I fall into that mode all, all too often of just being on the go all the time, busy with details, and not taking um, a step back to get some air and really think about some of the more big picture things I need to be working on. And I think when we look about why is it important to zoom out, that's really the reason. Uh, it, it's so that we can stay aligned with mission and vision. As you heard Anthony mention, that's so important to driving everything that we do that if you're not taking time to assess how you're moving in those directions, it's easy to do a lot of work and not be productive at all. But some of the negatives towards living in that world too often is sometimes you don't deal with specific issues. If you're thinking big picture all the time, you may look at something and say, all right, well, this is a small issue. I don't need to deal with that. Uh, it's, it's not really at that level, but it'll get there soon. And sometimes it's tough to catch things before they materialize too much because you just dismiss it as not important. Um, it's also sometimes just easy to stay in that world and not be in the details, especially if you are leading a team. Uh, if you're out of touch with, with what's going on day to day uh, and, and staying too big picture, sometimes you, you can lose focus and, and all of a sudden the, the systems and processes that you're trying to implement aren't moving towards that goal because something that, that seems good in theory is not being acted out upon. So um, some things that, that I've learned through, through the process of, of being able to just find how that works for me. I know that the, the time blocking principle that Anthony laid out, I'm not very good at time blocking, but I loved his advice to just focus on what what's one block in my schedule that I can um, put in there to whether to take time for myself, get a workout in, uh, take a walk, um, you know, or just do some deep learning and deep thinking. Uh, for me, that's been uh, a huge help. Um, it doesn't happen all the time, but I need to look at where each day or each week I'm scheduling out that time just to uh, focus on some of those things that don't get done because all the details and all the busy work and emails will get done at some point in the day. I know that you know I, I will find the time, but some of the other things just get pushed off and pushed off because of the urgent instead of looking at, hey, what's important and what needs to get done. So I think for me, that's been a, a huge focus. Something for, in my personal life, my, my wife and I have started doing a yearly retreat together where we will take a weekend just to focus on, you know, how things are going personally with us um, together as a marriage, how we're communicating. We look at our budget and finances for the year so that if we have any big purchases coming up or even trips, things like that, uh, I've noticed that that's been a huge help. Um, so that yearly retreat is something that uh, I, I take and, and lead my team with FCA through once a year. Uh, that's something that our organization is, is very much a proponent of, of making sure that we take time out to focus on big picture and, and get back on mission. So I think um, yearly you can look at something like that, but uh, most importantly, it's, it's, it's something that you need to do on a weekly and monthly basis to make sure how much time am I spending working on the business versus in the business. And um, so I think just the principle, or at least what I'm learning now, is that you need to be living in both kind of the zoom in and zoom out world. It's really making sure if you tend to live in one world too much, um, meaning that all of your time is spent there and you really struggle in the other area, you have to be very intentional to make time. If you're too much zoomed in, then what, what is every week, even if you're going from zero to what's two hours a week? It doesn't seem like a lot, but sometimes we try to make too drastic of changes right away. How can you take small, actionable steps towards getting there and getting in a routine? Um, and if you're too much big picture and you struggle with taking action on things, um, 
then you know maybe maybe it's making sure that after every single big picture thinking session that you have or retreat or those things that you're very specific about making next step action items or it could just be that the reason you're struggling to take action is because you don't have accountability whether that's a person or a structure that can hold you accountable to taking those steps whatever that needs to be take a look at where you're struggling and address that first because I think especially in this area if we just focus on what we're already good at initially um, you're just going to keep living in that world. So you need to start by addressing what is something I'm, I'm struggling at in that area. Um, address it first, take steps, and then you're going to notice that um, then you can look at how you're evening and balancing that out based on season of life, where your business or industry is. It's going to change at certain times throughout the year or even from year to year. But I hope that from our conversation, uh, from my talk with, with Anthony, that this just becomes something that you're mindful of because I think, again, it's too easy for us to be on autopilot and not be intentional about this kind of stuff. So um, I, I hope the conversation and, and the book, Be Like the Best, will challenge you in that area. So make sure, again, check out the show notes. I'm going to include all the information on how to get in touch with Anthony, but also how you can learn more about the pre-launch um, and, and the sale of the book, Be Like the Best. Definitely check it out. And I will look forward to the next time I get to uh, share an interview with all of you. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I will uh, talk to you all soon. Thank you.